Welcome to Voices of Care. Coming up in this episode, my conversation with Philip Luce, CEO at Bupa Cromwell. We'll be talking about the role of the independent acute sector and its bounce back from the COVID period. There's been you know, a, a very significant in, increase in patients who are looking to self-fund their care. Um, and uh, you know, we've, we've certainly tried to make it as easy as we possibly can Retention is incredibly important um, um, to, to us as, as a hospital. We have many, many people who have worked in the hospital for very many years and uh, having that sense of community, I think, really helps drive um, you know, great patient experience and, and outcomes. It's, it's really important that as a hospital we continue to innovate and we continue to adopt new technology. Patients expect it. You know, there is a real opportunity um, for the independent sector to work alongside and complement what the NHS does. Hello, I'm Sahel Mirza and welcome to this episode in Season 2 of our Voices of Care podcast. I'm joined today by Philip Luce, CEO at Booper Cromwell Hospital. The Voices of Care podcast seeks to get to the heart of the issues facing the health and social care sector and by understanding how we can enable the healthcare workforce of the future. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the independent acute sector, its bounce back from the COVID period, new entrance to the market, the fierce competition for workforce and the potentially expanded role for the sector in light of the government's elective task force recovery report. A lot to unpack there and uh, who better to talk to than uh, Philip. So thank you very much for joining us today and uh, giving us your time. Thank you, Sahel. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to it. The privilege is ours. Um, before we get into the depth of these uh, various questions, I wanted to give you the opportunity to give... Booper Cromwell is an iconic hospital, very, very well known. Perhaps uh, you've been there since 2017, an earlier stint uh, prior to that. Perhaps you can just paint a bit of a picture uh, about the work of the hospital. It's uh, renowned internationally, uh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know I'm I'm very proud to 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 work and uh, and be a leader at uh, at the Bupal Cromwell Hospital, and uh, we're a hospital which uh, re- you know really does a, a number of things. Um, first of all, it's a hospital for the local community of Kensington and Chelsea, and uh, we're very lucky to provide both adult and children services, which means we can provide a lot of the uh, necessary care to the local community, and you know that ranges from things such as primary care. Um, orthopaedics, um, uh, dermatology, etc., services like that. Um, but we also focus very much on managing patients who have very complex medical and surgical needs. So our strategy focuses a lot on uh, cancer, um, and uh, you know that ranges from being able to provide chemotherapy on site, uh, meeting uh, you know the surgical needs of cancer patients, but also managing medical patients in in the ward and. Uh, um, we have our partnership with Genesis Care to provide radiotherapy uh, as well. Um, and also a lot of focus on cardiothoracic surgery and uh, liver and renal program as well. So, you know, as a hospital, um, we treat patients who are insured with UK insurance, um, of course, work very closely with Bupa, uh, but we also treat patients who are self-funding and, uh, and have a very large number of patients who travel uh, from international markets to um, access our very specialist um, services that we that we offer. 140 countries, I think. Last time I looked, might be might be more now. That you a little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit more. I think uh, 164 is, right. is is the latest count. So uh, yeah, you know, again, something we're really proud of to to have such a uh, you know a rich um, um, and diverse group of patients uh, seeking our skills. 
Absolutely. Now, the, the sector itself, the independent acute sector, obviously had a, a challenging time and an important role during COVID. Um, Lang Buisson's Healthcare Market Review, published earlier this year in t- 2023, uh, talks about the sector bouncing back um, and saying, uh, and I quote, uh, demand at historically high levels across all the sectors, uh, pay groups you've talked about. Um, what are you seeing? So it really is a, a buoyant time uh, for the sector as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's our experience as well. Um, you know, throughout the pandemic, we worked very closely with the NHS and uh, worked as part of the uh, Royal Marsden Time Critical Cancer Hub. And we're, you know, again, really proud to to, to be able to uh, perform the um, um, cancer surgery that, that we did. Post-pandemic, um, I think there have been three areas of recovery. First of all, has been, uh, you know, the international patient activity as travel restrictions were uh, released, I think, in uh, kind of towards the tail end of 2022. I think that's right. Um, you know, we very quickly saw patients um, who hadn't been able to to travel to the UK traveling back to the UK, um, and that recovery happened, and um, you know, it was really very significant. Um, next, we saw you know an increase on in um, UK insured patients mm-hmm. um, seeking out care within uh, within our hospital and. Um, you know that 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 took a little bit of a you know a little bit longer to recover. I think in part because patients were working from home, and so they, um, you know, with the exception of those who lived and were relatively close to, to the hospital, um, you know, others were potentially accessing care elsewhere. And when I look um, um, more specifically, our diagnostic centre that we have in the city, Basinghall, um, it's really this year that we've seen a full recovery, and that's now back to. Uh, pre-pandemic uh, levels of activity as you know many people are now working back in 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 the city and I think you know have having this hybrid model is uh, has really helped with that um, and then of course there's been you know a, a very significant in, in increase in patients who are looking to self-fund their care um, and uh, you know we've, we've certainly tried to, to make it as easy as we possibly can um, for patients to to access the hospital um, you know whether that be through education, um, pulling together different packages of care, um, providing options for patients to be able to um, self-fund, whether that be through finance or fixed fixed packages, where you know they can be really assured that there aren't going to be any unexpected costs um, by you know by coming to to us. But yeah, um, you know that that continues to grow, and I think you know year on year, if we you know we have we have seen growth, and if we compare ourselves now to pre-pandemic, um, it's around 30% busier than, than, than we were. So, you know. no, a, a buoyant picture uh, indeed. And actually, the buoyancy of this market and London as a, as a hub, of course, for international uh, clients has led to a significant increase in competition. We've seen some new entrants to the market here, where Cleveland Clinic perhaps being the most ubiquitous. We've seen um, acquisition activity taking place. So, there's of course the 64 million dollar question here will be of course um you're still uh searching for staff clinicians non-clinical staff it's well known the nhs of course have tremendous shortages tremendous competition are you seeing that with the new entrants i I guess that must be uh, a factor that you put into your business plans yeah look you know when when new capacity opens there's clearly going to be an increase in the demand for for those for you know for for healthcare healthcare professionals and um you know it's it's a relatively small pool of very specialized people 
Um, but I don't think it's just about the you know new entrants coming into the market and that in, in uh, increased capacity that uh, that we've seen. I think it's been multifactorial actually. I mm. think you know post pandemic um, there had been a period of time when many people had stayed incredibly loyal to their employer. They'd supported through the pandemic. Um, and uh, you know they wanted to, to to stay in their role and to help and, and, and care for really sick patients at a very critical time. Um, and I think you know post pandemic, you know you, you, it was you know very much expected that um, the jobs market would become buoyant and people would look for changes who may have otherwise looked for new opportunities over that kind of previous eighteen months. So I think you know that's one factor. Um, there are less European nurses now registering mm. to, to work as nurses in the UK. Um, and I know, you know, at the Cromwell we have lots of international patients, but we also had lots of international staff working at the hospital. Uh, and we certainly have far less European nurses now than, than we did beforehand. So that's a contributing factor. And then on top of that, you have the increased capacity. Um, and I think, you, you know, that's just, you, it did, did make the recruitment market a little bit more challenging. Um, you know, we've worked incredibly hard, both at Boopa, uh, you know, and with, within the Cromwell Hospital to try and attract the right clinical and non-clinical specialists in, into the hospital. We've seen, uh, you know, huge success in that. Uh, we developed an international recruitment program and uh, we've been able to attract a lot of nurses into the UK through that. Um, and actually, we're, you know, we're in a really good position now. And uh, you know, importantly, we've seen our attrition um, fall steadily over the past 18 months as well. And that's now running at around 8%, which is you know, actually very good within in the sector and something that again, we're really proud of. No, that's absolutely uh, encouraging. And I think you've uh, talked about the idea that obviously patients, particularly now, more self-funding for a variety of reasons, uh, including the uh, waiting lists, of course, in the NHS being a, a factor in that. Um, and we've seen a, perhaps or beginning to see a sea change uh, in terms of the acceptance of uh, independent acute sector there's usually a, a narrative in terms of favoring the NHS but you know the independent sector has played a very important role I wanted to emphasize the importance that you um, uh, the Cromwell place on safety transparency data information this has been a, a trend that's been important within the independent acute sector the work of Finn of course you'd be familiar with I think you've been dealing with them right from the beginning in 2016 so can you expand upon how important that is to you and what's uh, the measures you're taking to assure um, that actually the level of care is world-class and on a par with anything else in the system yeah I mean absolutely I mean and be you know Bupa is, has an ambition to you know to be the you know a, a, a world leader in being customer centric and uh, you know, in terms of our patient experience, we spend a huge amount of time ensuring that our patients who come into the hospital have the very best possible experience they can. You know, that is, of course, a, a metric which we can measure. Um, you know, we we are you know record as you would expect within the healthcare environment. There is a huge amount of data available to us, um, and I think one of the roles um, which Finn is 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 playing is, you know, ensuring that there is real transparency. Um, around the data of the consultants, the doctors who are working within the hospital, but also the hospital providers themselves. And, um, you know, we're delighted that we're able to share the data around, you know, whether it be mortality, whether it be the number of never events, whether it be the uh, number of kind of un, um, unplanned um, transfers out of the hospital. You know, these are all really important 
um, data sets which we should share and referrers and patients should have access to. So very much welcome the work that, that, that Finn, Finn are doing. Um, you know, in addition to that, there are, um, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, a, the gold standard for health and safety, um, something which we've um, been awarded four years in mm. a row. And that's, you know, very much about providing a safe um, environment, both for our patients, but also for, for our staff as well. Um, this year, we um, achieved first place for uh, uh, the place audit, um, place standing for patient-led assessment of the care environment. Mm. It's a you know voluntary um, audit. We don't have to have, you know have to have to go through it, but you know a team of people come into the hospital, they assess that environment for um, you know how dementia-friendly we are as a hospital. Um, you know what the standard of our, our patient environment is, the the food, etc., like that. And we were you know delighted that we became number one in the UK this year. So. Um, you know, lots and lots of data. Of course, patient um, recorded outcome measures and patient um, um, experience measures, PROMs and PREMs are really important. And uh, we spend a lot of time um, trying to collect more and more of that data, um, in part because we want to learn, in part because we want to share um, the experience that our patients are having and the really good outcomes that, that we achieve. But I think you know, more transparency and sharing more of that data um, and it being available through um, places like Thin is, is really important. And that drives this, uh, the, uh, I guess, the uh, standards and uh, uh, across the sector completely, and helps to uh, place that uh, narrative in, a, in a, perhaps in a different context. And congratulations on the uh, on the place uh, placement, if I can call it that. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch upon some of the uh, things you talked about the re- retention, which is so important. Um, and I wanted to talk about some of the initiatives that you've taken in your. Uh, vision of 22-23 around inclusive, inclusivity. You talked about inclusive leadership and inclus- inclusion for patients and your REDI initiative. So can you expand upon that? Because it's such an important element in whether it's the NHS or the uh, private sector in terms of retention. Yeah, of course. And I think, uh, you, you know, just, just, just to, to, to start with that, you know, retention is incredibly important um, um, to, to us as, as a hospital. Not only because um, you know it clearly reduces cost, and um, but but it it provides a real sense of community in 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 the hospital. And one thing that I really love doing each each and every year that I've been in my post is going to our kind of um, um, annual uh, long service um, recognition and, and awards. And uh, you know we have many many people who have worked in the hospital for very many years, and uh, having that sense of community, I think, really helps drive um you know great patient experience and and outcomes um and of course you know as i just mentioned it 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 reduces cost as well um i i think you know when when we look at um you know the standards of care that we deliver the lower the attrition rate the less likely you are to have instance the less likely Mm -hmm. you are to have uh patient complaints as well so you know one of the things we focus on um in bupa is having a very high engagement score you know 80 is considered world class um and we have uh um you know a program running called mission 80 which is where we are aiming to achieve the 80 engagement score um and we're 
had a six point increase over the last uh, the last two surveys and we're within touching distance with that I'm really confident that when we run that next survey in uh, November this year we're going to be able to Fabulous. achieve that but underpinning that mm. are a whole series of different um, um, you know objectives and uh, and kind of things that we're working on and one of those is, is as you've mentioned the the ready network and ready stands for respect equality diversity and inclusion um, and it's really important to us as a hospital um, that we had a, have a workforce um, um, and an, a working environment which is incredibly inclusive, um, where all people are work, uh, welcome, and you know actually represents the community of uh, patients that, mm. that we that we see at the hospital. And so we have we, we, we set up the uh, Ready Group two or three years ago. Um, it's uh, it, it's a group that meets regularly, is made up from people around the hospital, both clinical and non-clinical. Um, they join our ex- executive team meetings um, um, regularly and kind of talk through some of the opportunities for areas for improvement, some of the initiatives that they would like to introduce. And you know, examples of those kind of initiatives would be um, introducing. Um, you know, a zero tolerance policy for, mm. for the hospital so that, you know, whether you're a patient, whether you're a carer, a family, a member of staff or, uh, you know, a visiting doctor, you know, we, you know, there is a zero tolerance um, of any abuse towards those people. And there is a framework with which, mm. you know, how that can be managed. We've introduced um, um, some training called active bystander uh, training, whereby uh, it was actually introduced by uh, um, one of our cardiothoracic surgeons that had been run in an NHS hospital and been really effective and we've adopted it. So, you know, again, it gave, gives um, in, individuals who see um, potentially abuse or if, if there is confrontation happening, it allows them to step in and, uh, you know, try and, uh, you know, change the dynamic. In, in a safe in, space. To, to, in, in a safe space, yeah. Um, uh, um, and again, you know, training around microaggressions. So, you know, we're, we're, we've, you know, we're really, again, you know, d- delighted with the kind of progress that we've, we've made around the Ready Network, the work that's, that they've done. We've seen a 24% increase in um, the ethnicity data that we've been able to collect at, at, at the hospital. And, you know, again, I think that's a reflection of um, the journey that we're on and how people are, you know, seeing we're, we're really focusing on this and we're, you know, making, um, you know, some really positive changes. No, thank you for sharing that. I think it's highly important, as you say, all the stats and the evidence shows that the more inclusive the culture and the leadership, the better patient outcomes, etc. I think that's well, well established in the literature. I wanted to um, go slide at a tangent, but I think it is relevant to the idea of the patient experience uh, and actually the consultant experience and the clinician experience in terms of longevity that you've talked about. Um, and that is the reputation that the hospital has in terms of technological innovation and politicians of every stripe are now talking about technology as a potential saviour for uh, productivity across the whole healthcare system, which is a very big question. But I wanted to zero in on some of the initiatives that you have established. I think thousands of patients have now, whether it's urology, virology, or knee and hip replacement, there's a lot of innovation that has been going on and continues to go on at the hospital. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really important that as a hospital we continue to innovate and we continue to adopt new technology. Patients expect it mm. and consultants expect it and we want to attract you know, the leaders in 
um, you know, from uh, you know, from a consultant perspective, and it's really important that we provide them the right tools to be able to provide the best possible care. You know, if I think back over the last um, the last couple of years, the kind of uh, technology that we've invested in, we have a partnership with Genesis Care to provide mm-hmm. radiotherapy. Um, we've invested in uh, the VUA MR Linac, and that combines MRI um, kind of diagnostic. Um, uh, capability with the LINAC for the delivery of radiotherapy and what that allows you to do is kind of real term bring those two platforms together and uh, you know that can really deliver um, incredible um, treatment for patients especially where they have moving organs so you know if you're treating someone with a a lung cancer for example Mm. and as they breathe in and out you know the radiotherapy uh, treatment can 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 change with that Um, we have um um, you know, been 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 working with um, Innosight to to look at three D modelling. So mm. uh, we, we could take a um, kidney uh, CT scan, for example. Normally, a two D image that can be turned into a three D model. Uh, a consultant can have a laptop in theatre alongside them. They can see a tumour that they might be resecting in that three D model. They can uh, potentially import that into the Da Vinci XI robot as well. And I think you know it gives them an extra. Uh, window to kind of or extra set of information that they can look at whilst they're they're doing that operation Um, or you know there are other digital solutions so we've recently um, kind of partnered with Fine Health Mm. um, to collect um, patient data around um, four cancer uh, pathways we've got a head and neck hepatobiliary colorectal and and breast cancer are the pathways that we're working on and that allows kind of patients to enter real time their their experience um, and their symptoms and the consultant has access to this data but when they're away from the hospital when they're away from the hospital yeah and and that allows the consultants to to monitor them remotely um, it potentially allows them to amend and change their treatment regime uh, post-surgery or you know they might be going through a chemotherapy treatment plan um, and you know in some instances we've you know it's been necessarily based on the information the consultant's been able to see to bring a patient into hospital and you know that early intervention um, you know we're really confident will allow us to deliver better outcomes for 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 those patients and I think in addition to that you know over the course of their treatment we're also going to get the longer term outcome measures so we're going to be able to see how well they've responded to that treatment and what benefits that they've they've had and you know those kind of things have existed for a long time for um, joint replacement for example mm. and you know the data is widely available through the national joint registry for for that but um for, for cancer and you know, for key to our strategy it's you know something we're really excited uh, about and uh, very much expect um you know to roll out to to to, to, to more tumors i think the last thing i'll just say on that is you know when when we use paper it could be sometimes quite difficult to to engage patients but in our kind of early 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 pilot with Vine Health, we had nearly eighty four percent of patients who were using it are engaging and in regular communication with our but, consultants and clinical nurse specialists, which is just incredible. Now that's an incredible stat, and I, I guess it also gives, from a broader you know, patient journey perspective, uh, agency and autonomy uh, to the patient, almost co co creating the plans in in one sense in real time. 
Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree more. You know, they they genuinely feel part of their of their treatment plan. Yeah, well, that, um, it's really I, exciting. No, very much. I think that, that the whole sector should look at that. Uh, one penultimate question uh, before we look at the broader perspective and the role of the independent sector in the future. And this is on training and development pathways. Um, the NHS people plan, has, uh, workforce plan has come out. Uh, there's some broad changes over the next fifteen years. But zeroing in on the work that you do. You've talked about retention and longevity um, for many of your uh, workforce. Is there a key element where training and development and career aspirations plays a big part? Because I think it's not just a question of having the right clinicians and non-clinician expertise, but also giving them the opportunity to to train and develop their multidisciplinary or specialist skills. Yeah, I mean... You know, as as a hospital, um, and and when we look at retention, we look at um, training and, and development, and uh, you know, it's it's really important to, to to us. I think being part of Bupa presents us as a hospital a huge opportunity. Mm. You know, I myself have, you know, had had a role at the Cromwell. I then moved over to the health and dental clinics business before coming back into in, into the Cromwell. And you know, if, if I if I look around our executive team, and if I look at some of the lead, senior leadership team, mm. many of those. Um, um, many of those people have started in clinical roles, um, and then they've worked through different leadership roles to, you know, to end up in those more more senior roles. Um, you know, so being part of Bupa presents us, you know, quite a unique, but you know, I think really exciting opportunities to 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 develop and develop our staff. But of course, there are many people who want to develop. Um, you know, as clinicians and remain as clinicians. And this year, we've uh, introduced our kind of nurse pay. Um, uh, and career progression framework um, and uh, you know that's something which we rolled out in April this year and um, has, has been really well received we've we've very recently introduced um, uh, the nurse apprenticeship role role as well um, so um, you know I think I think it's um, you know it's really important as a hospital that we present as many opportunities to our workforce as possible to progress through their career and also to um, to to adopt and to learn new skills across different specialities, and um, you know, it's, it's something which we know is really important to, in retaining our staff. And as you say, from the leadership team, with the benefit of the Bupa uh, structure, you've got obviously the chance to pick up expertise in many different subsectors. Um, one final question: I really wanted to get your experience on, and uh, given your expertise. We've had the uh, the government's uh, elective recovery task force report come out uh, this year in 2023, um, and we don't need to go into the detail of it. But the principle is it definitely uh, envisages a broader, more expansive role for the independent sector across the, all of of the uh, healthcare landscape. Um, and I just wanted to get t- step back. The independent sector played a vital role in the COVID, at the height of the COVID pandemic. It's a buoyant sector. You've talked about today. What, what do you see in the uh, in the immediate future? A greater acceptance of the fact that this is a um, a, a vital part of the healthcare landscape, and to perhaps change the narrative around that. Yeah, I mean, I mean as, you know, as a hospital, as you mentioned, throughout the pandemic, um, we worked incredibly hard, and and you know, I g- genuinely believe we. Um, you know, we, we we played a really important role in supporting the NHS, especially around time critical cancer surgery. And actually, since the pandemic, you know, we've we've continued to do that. So, more recently at our diagnostic centre in the city, we've been providing um, capacity on our MRI scanner um, and also to some of our cardiology outpatient testing. Um, over at the Cromwell Hospital. 
Um, um, we're currently doing some NHS um, long wait um, s- surgery for head and neck cancer patients, and we've mm. also done some endocrine cancer um, for patients who are on a wait list as well. You know, I, I think you know there is a real opportunity. Um, for the independent sector to work alongside and complement what the NHS does, and um, you know clearly within a hospital setting such as the as the Cromwell, we're able to um, you know manage patients with very complex medical mm. and surgical needs. So we're very well placed to 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 support and provide that environment where where needed. Um, so you know we are you know we are very happy to to support where appropriate and. Uh, um, you know, if we are asked, we will always look and, uh, you know, assuming we have the capacity, then, you know, we will absolutely help. So I think the spirit of collaboration is uh, very, very strong uh, and uh, welcome uh, within the landscape of the healthcare sector. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on that positive note, uh, Philip, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and uh, uh, coming and joining us today. No, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. If you've enjoyed this episode of Voices of Care, please like, follow or subscribe wherever you receive your podcasts. And if you want to understand how we are truly enabling the healthcare workforce of the future, please visit newcrosshealthcare.com forward slash Voices of Care. In the meantime, I'm Sahel Mirza. Thank you very much and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Voices of Care is published by Newcross Healthcare. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.